Hey folks, welcome to the Agency Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, James Jenkins, and this is where we take our listeners from captive to indie to market domination. Really appreciate you spending some of your valuable time uh, with me. This is not a privilege that I take lightly. I haven't said explicitly thank you for being on this journey uh, terribly often, but I'm going to say it right now. This has been a lot of fun the last couple of months. We've had a lot more connections than I ever expected, um, faster than I thought we would, for sure. Uh, this is a mission, uh, it's a calling. <laughs> the, uh, the captive agency world has a lot of people feeling trapped and uh, not knowing how to get out, to experience the full capability, the full breadth of their potential. And man, it is a privilege. We've got a lot going on at risk while there is a lot of things that are competing for my time. But I think that this podcast, talking with you, helping people uh, get the tips and tricks and tools and resources and insight from our guest, sometimes from me, um, it, it is just something that is so valuable uh, to, to the industry. And it, it's, it's a humbling experience for sure. So thank you for being uh, along for the ride with me. And uh, as we jump into this interview with uh, Cassidy Arbelli from Las Vegas, Nevada, she is a former State Farm agent, now rocking it in the IA world uh, for the last several years. We have a really interesting conversation uh, on a couple of topics uh, that we don't spend too much time with uh, in, in AFP, uh, namely the the side of of the agency ownership, uh, you know, paradigm, more of the uh, mental and metaphysical, existential side of things. Uh, talking about headspace and mental health uh, towards the back half of this episode, uh, Cassidy is a legitimate whale hunter, and I think those of you out there that are listening. Uh, that want to be whale hunters, that want to level up the kind of accounts that you're going after, your average premium, average revenue per account, this is a really good episode for you to get some nuggets. You're going to want to have that back button ready uh, so you can listen to certain parts of this episode multiple times. So as we jump into the content, I have the same three requests. Please subscribe to Agency Freedom Podcast on whatever platform you are listening on. Please leave us a review if you like what you hear. If you don't like what you hear, please feel free to shoot me an email at podcast at riskwell.com. If there's complaints or suggestions or uh, really any sort of dialogue you want to have with me personally, podcast at riskwell.com. We'd love to hear from you for whatever's on your mind. And lastly, before we jump, I would just say please share the Agency Freedom Podcast with someone you know in the captive world. Someone is going to hear this podcast and realize, yes, they can make the freedom jump. Yes, they can leave the captive world, leave that stream of residual renewal income and start something fresh, start something for themselves without being tied down to a captive carrier that controls their destiny and limits their potential. 
we are going to set someone free uh, with the knowledge and the resources shared on AFP. So thank you for helping us spread the word. This is and will always be free to our listeners. I'm not charging anything uh, for the content. I don't have some guru upsell or some product that I'm going to drop six months from now. This is a mission. This is a calling. Uh, So thank you in advance uh, for supporting this episode. We're going to go ahead and roll that bumper now and um, just hear uh, hear what Cassidy Arbelli has to say in this very insightful conversation. So here we go. There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry, those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. There is so much I wish I would have known before I made the freedom jump to the independent side. I mean, even now, I feel like I'm learning something new every single month. We're all about helping insurance agency owners and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. My team and I replaced six years of captive agency revenue in 17 months with RiskWell. 17 months, man. It's crazy. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and what I've learned along the way. We lay out a blueprint of how to make your freedom jump from captive to indie to market domination. I'm bringing you colleagues from markets across the country with dozens of different specialties. They're eager to share their stories and best practices with you. I'm your host, James Jenkins. Welcome to Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. Hey folks, welcome to the Agency Freedom Podcast. I'm James Jenkins, your host. This is where we take our listeners from captive to indie to market domination. Thank you uh, to my guest for this episode, uh, Cassidy Arbelli. Arbelli, did I say it right? Arbelli, yeah, you said it right. Arbelli, I said it right the first time. Yep. Awesome. Uh, Cassidy Arbelli and... Uh, you and I don't know anything about each other other than a random conversation in the IAOA Facebook group. I love these sorts of things because, man, I have no idea where this conversation is going to go. There are no canned questions here. Uh, I'm going to be getting to know Cassidy just like you guys are out there in the listening world. So, Real quick, before we get started, I have the same three requests as we always do. Uh, subscribe and Leave us a review if you haven't already. And the most important thing is share the Agency Freedom Podcast with someone in the captive world who needs or wants to or maybe is curious about their freedom jump, just like Cassidy and I have both made. So thank you for joining me, lady. I would love to hear just a brief version of your background, who you are, uh, where you are right now in the in the life cycle of your agency, your business. As you told me offline just a second ago, you have a lot going on with other businesses and a podcast of your own. We'll definitely have some questions about that in this interview for sure. But take us away. Give us the, hi, I'm Cassidy, you know, three, four, five minutes, whatever it is. I'd love to get a better understanding of who you are and what you're up to. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited to be here. I love your podcast as well. I love the community. Um, it's amazing to see too, I've been in this industry for 10 years, just how it's, how it is now and how amazing, you know, the people are that we've connected with and how quickly we can connect, right? Like you said, through just a post on social media, um, and just seeing where it's at now, it just really makes me happy that it's changing and it's evolving and more people are showing up. Uh, so my name is Cassidy Arbelli. 
And I started as a State Farm agent 10 years ago. I always laugh about, you know, I never played with my dolls when I was little wanting to be an insurance agent, but here we all are, right? (laughs) Nobody actually wanted to do this when they were a little kid. And so um, I was in State Farm since 2012, so about almost 10 years, and captive for about six years and had a little hiccup. with State Farm and everything was smoothed out, everything was fine, but it was the thing that got me to say, okay, hold on, what am I doing here? You know, really had me evaluate my business at the time and decide what it was that I wanted. I think that it was the thing that made me realize that I was building an agency based off of what a carrier or um, the captive agency that I was working for wanted, as opposed to me looking at it like, what do I want? I'm the business owner. What do I want for my life? And as I started to really dive deep into that, think about it, that's when, you know, the whole idea of going independent really came up. And so um, even though everything was great, I was making a ton of money. I was really happy. I was hitting all the awards, going on the trips, you know, had the family that I loved with all my friends within our captive community, um, I was probably the first one to really make the jump, at least here in Las Vegas, Nevada, without being forced to, if that makes sense. And it's funny because right after that, a lot of people started to do it too. And I think they kind of saw that like, I didn't die. (laughs) And they were like, oh, okay. And not just that. I mean, we were also like, you kind of talk about able to replace all the premium we kind of walked away from very, very quickly. And one of the biggest reasons I did leave too is because I was number one in the West Central region for commercial for a very long time. And I was just sending crazy amounts of business and premium out the door. And so when we did open the independent agency, the whole world kind of opened up to us for commercial. And um, it's been amazing. I haven't looked back since and we're just growing and growing and growing every single month. And the amounts of premium that we're able to write and the things that we're able to do. And my team is so much happier and we're all just like, Oh, we have clients. We like to talk to, they pay their bills, you know, things that we all complain about in this industry. These problems that we had before are now not an issue anymore. And it's just lovely. It's just the best thing in the world. So that's basically me right now. However, I'm also a mom of three. So I raised three kids in the last 10 years while doing all of this. And I do contribute a lot of success in other industries and businesses that I'm in to insurance because the residual income is so stable. Um, You know, it really allowed me to be able to take any profit I had to invest in other things. And I love talking about this too, because I want people to know that the insurance is not end all be all. You can absolutely hustle hard, do what you got to do and get yourself to a place where you can then venture off and do other things that you enjoy and diversify multiple streams of income. And insurance allows you to do that because of the way, you know, the profit, the revenue, all of that comes into play. So um, that's a little bit about me. And yeah. Love it. You yeah. know, it's, it's probably my favorite thing about the industry is that there are so many different ways to be successful. Mm-hmm. And that success itself looks very different from one person to the next, whether you're building, uh, as, uh, as Ryan Hanley calls it, a lifestyle insurance agency that affords 
the agency principal, tremendous freedom to do whatever they want uh, with a lot of their time, or you're just a, a grinder, take over the world kind of person like me. I don't have anything else going on business-wise. I don't really have any hobbies. I'm just a complete nerd for this thing. I, I, I love it. Uh, There's so many different ways to be successful. It's beautiful. Uh, I'm going to ask you the same things we always ask. Uh, I shouldn't say always because this is the, literally the second episode. We've done it consistently. I had a lot of people saying, hey, it would be really helpful if we had some context for your guest. If we had some quick facts about these people that are coming on, because obviously there's a lot of different markets across the country. There's a lot of different lines of business and focuses, tenure, staff, etc. There's so many different variables in the equation that it really helps some people figure out uh, the relevance, the, the equivalence from your office to where they might be somewhere else in the country doing other lines of business. Some quick facts, Cassidy, if you could just share with us real quick. You're in Las Vegas, Nevada. You already said that. Uh, your tenure, it sounds like, is what, roughly four years in the independent side, uh, plus or minus? Yeah, we'll be going on to four years in November. Okay, so four years. Just hit for me real quick, uh, premium volume, your staff size, your business mix from commercial, personal. Are you doing other lines of business, you know, like life or health or disability, Medicare, whatever else you may be into? And then any specific niche that you have identified as a big area of focus for you in your office. Just some quick facts along those lines, and then we'll just keep on rolling with the interview. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, currently right now, I have two salespeople and one service person. Um, but they all, if they need to jump in, they're cross-trained to do everything. But we do separate the departments of what's what. Um, and we... You're going to have to remind me some of the questions because I'll lose. But premium volume, <laughs> line of business distribution, gotcha. any niches that you're into? Yeah. So obviously we are definitely more commercial heavy today than we were originally. We started with lots of personal lines. We did all the things you can think of as far as life, health, disability. We did securities. Today we are strictly PNC. We don't do anything else. I highly believe in, in niching down and getting to become an expert in certain things. Our biggest clientels and the actual people that are our ideal client that we, we market to and try to attract, obviously we do all kinds of business, but they're going to be very high level, bigger whales, um, definitely whale hunters. We're looking for $100,000 to $500,000 in premium monthly in the type of people we are attracting. As far as volume, um, we usually don't go below 150 a month, but Recently in 2020, we've really been hitting three to 400 a month in premium with just two employees. I am not here. I have not been here almost the entire month of July, just traveling and doing my thing and then focusing on some other businesses. But obviously that doesn't start day one, right? So I'm just sure. not as active, but they, I go through seasons. So there's definitely times where I kind of miss it and I go back and I reevaluate what we're doing, making sure it's all working. And then even today, I'm going to this event to kind of network for insurance, which I haven't done in like three years, but I'm actually excited about it. I'm like, hey, I, I want to kind of get back into it. So you get into these different seasons. Um, and then as far as our favorite niche in the world right now, we've really been focused on um, trucking and general contractors in construction, just because right now in Vegas, it seems to be such a hot, um, you know, industry and we're just getting these left and right. So we're kind of focusing on that. But again, we really brand ourselves 
and communicate our brand message and story in our community and even out of state, because we do do several states, that we are the commercial specialists. We also use the idea and the thought that, you know, as a business owner myself and who the owner of this agency is, I am a multi-passionate entrepreneur. I have several businesses, been doing business for a long time. So I really understand small business owners, what their pain points are, what they need, all of that. And that's how I think we really do a good job of attracting people who are looking for that type of relationship and really make ourselves unique across the industry in our area compared to, you know, the other person down the street that could probably offer them the same policy, right? And same coverages. Um, and maybe even at a better price sometimes. But that's really kind of our focus and what we're doing right now and where we are right now in our business. Cool. No, I appreciate that context. That's great. Yeah. When you and I got connected, it was because of a post that you made in IAOA. And it was, it was, a definitely a great brag post of, hey, this is what happened. Good for us. I'm so excited about this win, which is awesome. There's definitely plenty of room for that in the group. And then there was the comment section was, tell me more. What happened there? What's the story? For for those, most of you listening have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, Cassidy and her team landed a really nice BOR on a commercial account. I was It was, what, 350000 in premium or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so the BOR itself, broker of record letter, is a conversation I'm actually going to be hitting probably right after this episode airs uh, because there's when I put it out there and said, hey, what do you want to have us talk about other than just great interviews? Are there any specific topics that you guys want to hear about? And building a tech stack um, and employee team member compensation and just general team member things. Another big thing people messaged me about was, hey, you talk about the BOR a lot. I'd love to hear you talk in more detail about how that's deployed, what it looks like, what the process is, the talking points, et cetera. Can you just unpack for me what that situation was? Because that's how you and I got connected. I saw that yeah. post and I'm like, this lady's a gamer. Okay. I like her energy and I loved the way that you described that process. And here we are now doing a podcast interview. So what was that win? Tell me the story about the client. How did you go about the process of getting the BOR conversation opened and what happened there? Yeah. So for me, the post was really like I mentioned to you before we kind of started recording. I feel like right now is my time to come out and really kind of put my hand out and help anyone who's just like, I don't know how to figure this out. Um, like I said, Jason Cass in another podcast you did said, most insurance agents are great salespeople, but they're not good business people. And because of my background and because of my success and because business is just like the biggest fire in my belly, I could talk about it all day long. It's just what I love. I really want to show people what's possible. And I, and the post was kind of like, look guys, it's almost, you know, the third of the month and this is already the premium we're writing. And it really was about just like, this has been kind of consistent for us. This can be done. I want you to know that this is possible because when people really believe it's possible, and this is what I found out with my team, the minute, I mean, we did like a $20,000 policy for the first time. They were like, holy crap, we just did that. And it was so exciting, right? The first time. And then suddenly they're like, I can do this. And yep. suddenly they go into 30 and 50 and 60 and a hundred. And now the standard is $100,000 for one 
uh, business owner that we bring on and we close their policies and whatever. Like that's just the standard now. It wasn't always, right? That's how it starts. And when you believe that this is something that can happen and people are doing this, all of a sudden you can dream bigger. And that's really what the post was about. Now, of course, you've got 7,500 agents that are like nitpicking at everything, which yeah. is totally fine. I'm here to show. Forget the you. people that are like, yeah, yeah, bleh, cool. blah, blah, blah. It was no, like, whatever. I don't, I don't care. Move on. Let's go. But I'm just saying like, you know, yeah. it, the conversation evolved to two things. One yeah. was, like you said, the BOR. The other one was because we're going to talk about the tech too in a minute, I'm sure, was kind of mm -hmm. like, oh, what system are you using? So I'll talk to you about that in a second. But um, Stop taking my client. questions, Cassidy. Sorry. Like, <laughs> let me ask my questions. <laughs> so that particular oh, situation, yeah. we have a client who already is insured with us here in Nevada and in yeah. Utah. It is a trucking um, business that he owns. Okay. And he ended up opening a business in North Carolina, which we were not licensed in. He ended mm -hmm. up writing business with another carrier, another company. And it took us some time to get our non-resident license and get the carriers to approve us and appoint us in that state. Mm -hmm. Once that was done, I mean, we have about half a million dollars in premium that he insures with us here. We have that relationship he obviously loves us. Sweet. That's why he said, okay. We said, we're available. We can now check some other rates and some other carriers. Unfortunately, who he had at the time was the best rate. And that's what we did. We ended up broker changing or changing the broker on record, which is what BOR stands for. Mm -hmm. um, and so that relationship was already established way before. I am not the type of person that's trying to do broker changes. They happen. If you have a relationship with a client and they're really adamant about leaving, I mean, there's only so much we can do to keep them in our agency too. Sure. And I'm the type of person that's like, look, you don't want to do business with me. Like more power to you. That's totally fine. I don't want people in my agency or force people. Like I'm not the type of agent like, what? You want to leave? How dare you? Da, da, da. You know, it's, it's just not, obviously sure. the relationship wasn't built. The value isn't presented. We screwed up somehow. And yeah. you know what? You lose the business because of that. However, that's what happened in that particular situation. Um, cool. So just to give you, you know, that context a little bit. Yeah, that makes you sense. Understand what's going on, but yeah, and that's it's it's actually not as much of an accurate representation of what we do on a monthly basis, but mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. We got the business right. <laughs> so, amen, sister. 100%. It doesn't matter. We got the business. The client is better off because they're working with a legitimate expert. Uh, you said you do get. You guys do a lot of trucking, transportation, logistics, and whatnot. Uh, specifically, what kind of trucking account was that? Because trucking is a big vertical. There's a lot of complexity within the word trucking. Uh, was this logistics? Was it over the road hauling? Uh, was what kind of account was it? Yeah. So this particular person does um, product hauling for different companies that have products that come in from out of the country and import mm -hmm. exports. So they distribute throughout the entire country. Cool. Um, so it's just hauling for the most part. Yeah. Lots of complexity with state filings and all of those things that go yeah, into we trucking. We become experts on DOT, let me tell you. <laughs> we didn't expect yeah. to, but as you know, you get to understand industries. You learn a lot about yeah. the different aspects of their business. So. That's one of the things that we really try to tell people is that we understand this part of their business as well. And that just puts us, yeah. you know, makes us different. I mean, literally this week I have, you know, a little sticky note here. I have sent out three trucking referrals uh, to three different agencies that are geographic, uh, you know, central. I had to explain to my, to my uh, risk advisor, producer, uh, yesterday. He was like, why are you sending that out? I was like, well, it's trucking. 
He's like, that's a really good premium. There's there's a lot going on there because at his previous office was they were pretty heavy into trucking, and just having that conversation with him of this is why I'm sending it out. I'm not an expert in trucking, and more importantly, I have no interest in being an expert in trucking. I don't know if there is an, a vertical where it's easier to get an E and O claim than trucking. You know, if you regulatory action, fines and penalties. There's so many different ways to screw up a trucking account. Um, it, it's a lot more complex than many other verticals. So uh, props to you for getting it done at that level. Yeah, listen, I mean, you know, that's great. I'm going to challenge you just a little bit because that's just who I am. I'm definitely an Enneagram 8 on the Enneagram. But like yeah. for me, it's always been kind of like even when we started State Farm, nobody wanted to do commercial. They yeah. were just like, it's too complicated. I don't want to do it. And for us, uh, we're big on tracking data. We mm -hmm. track data like psychopaths, probably. And we really try to analyze like what's working, what's making us the most money, what's going to be the best return on our investments in all kinds of areas. And commercial was where it was at. Mm -hmm. And thank God I have another person on my team who's similar to me where we're very relentless. Like, tell me I can't do it and then step aside. So we are relentless in learning the information and digging deep and doing the research and doing the development to get us to a point where we can become the experts and or as we're learning to become experts, really get to know. Like, for example, like I said, there's a lot of different laws and things when it comes to the Department of Transportation. Well, most agents don't know that. And so we made it a focus for us, for us to learn more about that so that we can bring better value and we can um, show up differently than other people in our industry to provide the products and services to these clients. Um, so we started learning. And, and the thing too about the type of businesses we go after, we do find again that it's kind of seasonal. Right now it's a big hot thing in Nevada for trucking. But last year we did a lot of manufacturing. And the year before that, it was more retail, you know, so it just kind of depends, uh, to be honest with you, in a year from now, we just talked to somebody about getting us a ton of malpractice um, referrals and things like that. Like, who knows? That might be my niche next year. But I think that I'd like to almost challenge agents sometimes to not be afraid to learn a little bit more about things and to think to themselves, like, yes, I know this is difficult. And yes, there may be some risk and think about that and make educated decisions, but not to be afraid to look into that because it could definitely be super profitable. And if there's ways you can niche down into particular products or particular industries that you're working with, you're going to become so great and you're going to get so many referrals and the things, it just snowballs into such profitability for your agency that I highly recommend it. And I think that's a lot of times people don't, like it almost frustrates me sometimes when they're like, oh, I only want to do personal lines. I don't necessarily disagree, but like, have you actually tried yeah. to do commercial? Have you, you know, gotten your feet wet a little bit just to see what it's like before you just cancel out this whole entire section of our industry that you're not even considering. And and the thing is too, I actually saw a Gary V video. I'm really into the online space, but yesterday where he was like fuming, he was like, I'm so effing sick of people saying that this is an or world, meaning you have to have this or this. It can't be and. Like if you would just have a better mindset of knowing that this world is and you can do this and this and still be successful. Like you know, and stop having that kind of cancel culture of things without really mm -hmm. understanding what is you're canceling out. Um, and so that's just my challenge to you and anyone else listening. But I really think that that's one of the things that made us 
more successful. We're really relentless in that space. And we call ourselves make it happen captains um, because we just don't give up. We keep going. And I think that's just what makes us get these bigger whales and these bigger policies. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's it's exactly the same way on, on other verticals too. I think there's so much value in figuring out you know, what is... And we have another episode, probably a month or so from now, it'll drop on exactly how to find your niche and what to do once you've decided, hey, I want to do this one particular thing, trucking, transportation, logistics. For me, it's uh, commercial and portfolio real estate investors, you know, apartments, condo associations, commercial real estate, uh, LRO mostly, but also um, some owner-occupied stuff, but mostly big LRO, you know, shopping centers, malls, mixed-use retail, et cetera. And we found that by accident because I had a client who asked for a quote and I didn't know how to do it. But I said, sure, we can do that for you. <laughs> and then I figured, like you said, exactly like you put it out there, Cassidy. The, my response was, all right, well, let's figure out how to make this happen. Did a little bit of research and you know, talked to some carriers and some wholesale brokers and ended up writing the account. It was really nice premium. At that point, it was one of my largest accounts. It was about 30000 in premium. This is a few years ago. Uh, and we realized, wait a second, uh, that wasn't really that hard. Uh, we, you know, there's definitely some moving parts. You got to be aware of the tenant classes and ask a lot of questions about, you know, loss control and parking lot and security and other things. Uh, there's definitely some moving parts to it, but in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't terrible. And next thing you know, we put it out there that we're doing more of this, and then other insurance agents start becoming the most valuable referral partner that we have. And now, I mean, it's probably 40% of our commercial business of the whole agency comes as a direct referral from another independent insurance agent. And I'm not even talking about the captive referrals because, man, I bet you are just cleaning up from your state farm people that get stuff in their door that they can't even begin to hang with. So who are they going to call? They're probably going to call you in your office too. So the the captive referral is a different conversation entirely. Right. But of course, no getting referrals from other independent agents in your chosen vertical. There's definitely an art form to it because someone is literally sending money that's on their desk and giving that money to you, that client relationship, and saying, "Hey, I'm going to tell so and so that you're going to call them." There's a lot that goes into that from an existential perspective, uh, but just from a find your space and then speak your truth to the world of, hey, we're really good at insert here. The, the challenge, as, uh, as Charles Specht, as David Carruthers, and others have said, you can't be a niche specialist in 17 things. You yeah. really need to figure out, I would, my personal belief is three or less. Find three or less, ideally one or two, and go hard in that direction. I mean, it sounds like that's similar to what you guys have done, Cassidy. And um, yeah. congrats to you on, on a big win. I know there's a lot going on in your office, as we'll talk about here in just a second with technology and other things that you're doing to be successful. But it's really important point to note that you leveraged a tool in your toolbox, the BOR at this point, broker of record letter, uh, to get a big account out the door for an existing client. So the BOR was automatic, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of people coming from the captive world, I would say most, probably close to all of them, unless they have independent agency friends, they have no concept of the broker of record letter. That doesn't even exist to them. Uh, so 
having that awareness for those making their freedom jump from the captive world, it's an entirely new concept. Uh, so for those of you that aren't familiar with exactly how to leverage the BOR, we'll be talking about that more uh, in, in a few weeks, probably not that many weeks, honestly. So um, let me just hit the little whoosh sound there as we change the topic. And I'm looking at it right now. Our time is really good for a commercial break. Um, so we'll go ahead and pause for that mid-roll commercial. And we'll come right back for the second half of my conversation with Cassidy Arbelli. And uh, um, we'll just go from there. So go ahead and roll that commercial. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel. Cast certified. And we're back from the commercial break. Thank you so much to our sponsor, whoever you are. I don't know if it was Advisor Evolved, Cover Wallet, ePay Policy. Uh, there's a lot of, of high quality vendors working with right now. Uh, Tarmica is about to be back on, Lightspeed Voice as well. Uh, so, whomever it was, go check them out. They're great. Uh, Cassie, I'm going to hand you the microphone back again. You actually brought up technology a few minutes ago. One of the questions that we've started asking all of our guests, just run down for me real quick what your technology stack looks like. Agency management systems, CRM, who your VOIP provider is for your phone, texting, automation, whatever you're into from a technology standpoint. Talk about that for just a couple of minutes. Sure, absolutely. So, um, I think that we were definitely a little bit of earlier adopters into technology than a lot of people. I started doing a lot of these things about, let's say, four years ago before I left State Farm. I was doing as much as I could with compliance. And then obviously, as soon as I went independent, I was like, the whole world was like, freedom. An open, yeah, freedom, right? Of course. So. <laughs> <laughs> technology wise and this also kind of started becoming a topic during that post was we use easy links for our radar and our crm mm -hmm. um, we then use something called monday.com they have an app it's also a cloud-based um, website that tracks where we track everything we track where our marketing goes who we're marketing to the leads that come in we track all of our sales, we track our cancellations, we track our book of business, we track our renewals. And what's great about it, and I swear I'm not an affiliate, um, we also have integrations in there where we have automations. 
And those automations go through text. We use Twilio and email with Outlook. And then we have used MailChimp for a long time just because I knew it well, um, but we are possibly looking to switch that soon. I don't know where to yet. And then we use Slack for communication. Uh, we really got tired, especially once we kind of all went remote because of COVID, doing the group text thing, everything just got lost in translation. So we yeah. use Slack. It's amazing. You have category, you know, categories that you can have conversations through. And um, we use Uma for our VoIP system, which I changed about a year ago. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but mm -hmm. yeah. we went from $500 a month in phone service to under $100 a month. And they also do text messages and online stuff and EFA. I mean, everything is in there in one. It's incredible. Hmm. Um, and then I'm trying to think of what other technology. We try to keep it simple. It's one of the things too. It's like, I think you can just go out into, you know, off into the rabbit hole of technology as well. And sometimes I think there's so much out there. Mm -hmm. For me, everything I try to teach and everything I try to do is just to tell people like we are overcomplicating business sometimes to like a really dangerous level, you know, and you get overwhelmed and you get burnt out. And our one of our core values and our models is just ease and just keeping it simple for us and our clients. Um, and so really, I think that's all the technology we use. But when we do decide to use technology, we do a ton of research and figure out, like, is this really going to hit all the things we need or at least as much as we can? And then thinking about cost, Twilio, uh, all of these are so inexpensive. Slack is free. Like, we really maybe spend $150 a month on any of this stuff total. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's what I've got to share. Awesome. Yeah. You had mentioned very quickly before we started recording, and we just had just a couple of minutes of get acquainted time to make sure we were on the same page as far as the direction of the conversation. You mentioned that organizational health, the existential side of being a business owner is something that's very important to you. Um, I'd love to hear your take on on mindset. Uh, you obviously, you said you're an Enneagram 8. Uh, I don't know which wing you are, but I'm also an Enneagram 8, the challenger as it's called. Um, wh which wing are you? Seven. You're a 7? Yep. I'm also a 7. I don't know how that's possible, but two 8 wing 7s are right. on the phone together. Or uh, Riverside, not really yeah. a phone call, but <laughs> you get the idea. Um Help me understand your take and how important mindset and just that confidence uh, of being the business owner, of being the decision maker. Uh, what, what part does mindset play in your success? And do you have any advice uh, for our listeners on how they can stay in front of that uh, challenging part of being a business owner? Yeah. So mindset's everything. And I know you've probably heard this or people listening have heard this before, but the thing is I do business consulting as well. And I also help majority female insurance agency owners through a program that I created and have. That's not the point, but in that, and with my clients that I have, they think they need all of these how to behind the scenes kind of look at what I'm doing or how they can do things. And we do that and we talk about it, we strategize and then I hold them accountable and we execute, right? But the thing is, is that 90% of what I do for them or what I do with them or what they actually need is help with their mindset. Because if your mindset's not in the right place, it doesn't matter how much I show you 10 steps to get to an ideal client avatar or, you know, five steps to tracking accurate data 
or how to execute more effectively or to be more productive, right? Or to increase profits or whatever. If mm-hmm. your mind is not ready and open to hear that and to listen to that and really take a deeper dive into your business and looking at it and then making decisions and having that confidence to do that, it doesn't matter. It's not going to work. You're not going to listen. You know, you're not going to be open to taking action, massive action, even when you're scared, like mindsets, everything. And I do a lot of things personally to help my own mindset. It's not always amazing. There's definitely days, even periods throughout the day where I have to check myself, but there's been a lot of work that I've done to be able to be better at that. And if you are not at the top of your game as the leader of your company, your business, like everybody else working with you is looking at you. You are 100% the example. And it's been such a eye-opening thing to see like, I will do something and all of a sudden a few days later, a couple weeks later, I just noticed my team doing the same thing. And it's because, not because I'm saying, hey, you guys have to do this. It's because I'm setting the example. I'm coming and saying, this is important to me. I'm going to try this. Now there's some results. They see some success. I'm like, oh, she can do it. I can try. I want to do this. And it just becomes this amazing cycle. So being happy, being someone who is open to having clarity in your business, someone who, even when it's really scary, is showing up anyways. I always say, you know, 90% of the time, I don't know what I'm doing, but I show up anyway. And that's the same way that you can get into a new space, get into a new niche, right? You just keep showing up and you're going to get better at what you're doing by default, even if it's not because you intentionally try to. Um, So for me, mindset's huge. And the thing is, too, is that this is the long game in our industry. Everybody wants things yesterday, whether it's sales numbers, whether it's team members, whether it's, you know, carriers and appointments, whether it's knowing knowledge that you need to know, even though it's going to take you 10 years to get it. And I try to constantly say, look, you're doing this for the long term. And you really need to understand that, like, it's about all these daily baby step things that you're doing. You can't climb a staircase in one step. It's one step at a time. So even if you have to just look at the first step right in front of you and just take that step, even if you're not sure where it's going to lead, then take the step because the next one is going to show up. Um, and so these are just different things that my mind has to constantly tell myself and working on your limiting beliefs because 90% of it is bullshit. I don't know if I can curse, but there you go. No, <laughs> um, you're fine. Yeah. No, I'm like, you I don't you do you. Don't, don't worry about it. Um, so... You know, I should have taken the handcuff off of, at the beginning. Let's you just be yourself. Um, but that, those are kind of the things that for me is so important and, and working on yourself, like go develop yourself, go read some books. Like, I think there's so many people that are just like, just in the constant grind are so comfortable in just feeling like everything's urgent and they're not getting their head out of the water to take a breath to really see like, where am I? What's going on? And that's one of the reasons why I think the data tracking is so important. So many people are just going off their gut. They're assuming how their business is doing. And when we really break down the numbers, like it's a gut punch, I promise you. But then now we know, right? So like you can't go anymore based off a lie. Numbers don't lie. They're going to tell you the truth. And then we can start making informed, smart decisions about your business type of stuff. So um, that's that's really just like my rant about that. <laughs> If that makes any sense. <laughs> I know no, I just kind of went off, but. No, it, it is such a, a squishy, complex, nuanced thing because, you know, it is, 
it is always with us. That constant challenge, the constant, um, you know, hill to climb as the owner of a business, even if someone is by themselves or they are a solo operator, your team could very easily be uh, your friends if you don't have a spouse or your spouse and your kids. If you don't, don't even have a team at the office, you have a team at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so regardless of what your individual situation looks like, I definitely agree that, that mindset is possibly the most important piece of the puzzle because, I mean, your your thoughts become your beliefs. You know, your beliefs become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your outcomes. So your thoughts directly determine your outcomes. What you allow to, to be present in your mind, man, it's so important. Yeah. So just like a quick little story, it's just funny. It's like I was at the gym the other day and I have an Apple iWatch and you have the rings, right? Like these goals mm-hmm. that you have. Yeah, you got to close and, the rings, man. Right. Absolutely. And so there's times where the, the watch is like, make it happen, right? There's still that time you can make it happen. Well, that's kind of where that whole branding idea came from for me is like, we're the make it happen captains. If we say that constantly enough, we're going to believe it. The other thing is I was at the gym, right, with my watch on and I have the I am app on my phone, which sends you affirmations. And it's a, I am grateful, or I am a money magnate or different affirmations throughout the day. And I'm sitting there like lifting weights by myself, unmotivated, pretty much getting ready to walk out the gym and quit for the day. And I get a message that says, this discomfort is temporary. And let me tell you, the next 30 minutes of that workout was like harder than anything I've ever done. Like I just went for it, right? Because suddenly something just got me out of my mindset. And I was like, you're damn right. This discomfort's temporary. Watch me now lift like twice as much as I normally do. And that's kind of like the thing that you you need to do. You need to insert some of these things into your life that are going to help you snap out of that mindset or help you get into the better abundant and, um, you know, that type of mindset where like the world is limitless. Stop thinking scarcely. Stop, you know, putting yourself down. And also too, I say constantly, if you wouldn't say this to your kid or if your kid said this to themselves in their own mind or out loud, how would you react? You should not be thinking or saying these things to yourself. Just, and that helps me when I say stupid shit to myself, right? Like, you know what? Personally, I'm taking that one to the bank because vulnerable moment, my self-talk inside my own head that never gets communicated to anybody else is way more toxic than it should be because yeah. the climb to the top for me includes a lot of different flavors of personal excellence. And when I make a mistake, when I have a blown judgment call or miss something that I should have picked up or just plain fail, you know, lose a deal, lose a prospect, you know, have an argument with a team member where I'm unkind or whatever. The the self-talk sometimes can be downright toxic. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to take that one right there, that one little thing, because yeah. if I wouldn't say it to Charlie and Emmy, then I shouldn't say it to myself. Um, man, I love that. That is, that's yeah. a keeper for sure uh, for me personally. So thank you for that. That's, You're it's welcome. not every episode that I go, hmm, you know, for me personally, that's yeah. a big one. Uh, awesome. So thank you for that. Um, right along those lines, actually, as we uh, switch to the next question, the uh, the topic of self-care, 
has come up uh, repeatedly for me personally in the last week or two. I dropped a post uh, in IOA and it got a lot of traction. It was obvious that a lot of people resonate with that. Uh, the, the really thing that I said was, you know, self-care is business care. When you're the CEO yes. of your operation, caring for yourself is caring for your business because whether you're involved in production or you're some other role in the business, your health, your mental health, your overall wellness as the agency principal has a trickle-down effect to everybody on your team, to everything that happens in your office. And I, I know from you shaking your head right now, we're on the same page. What does self-care look like for Cassidy? When you recognize, hold on a second, I'm running ragged, or I said something unkind, or I'm feeling more stressed than normal, how do you address that? I think this is a little bit personal and, and personalized to each person because we're all different. Sure. Um, but even just like you saying, you know, you take things really difficult and you beat yourself up sometimes. And I think that's yeah. we're similar because we're eight sevens. But um, for me personally, I have to step away. So I will not show up at that time because I know that I need to just be alone but I do regular physical self-care of working out, trying to eat healthier. Um, I get massages regularly. I do yoga regularly. Things that just get me to kind of get into like a calmer, um, stiller state of mind in myself with myself. And the ideas start to flow. And then I'm able to allow my brain to kind of take off and really analyze what happened without still being in a situation that got me all messed up, right? For whatever reason. That's yeah. one of the things I do for self-care. Um, the other thing that I do for self-care is I love to travel. That's just my thing. Like I just get out, get out of the city, get out of wherever and just go somewhere and turn everything off. It's really like for me, that's just what I have to do. I have to disconnect and then focus intentionally on like thinking about it and giving myself some time to clear out the mess in my head and allow that clarity to show up. And it usually does. Um, and then I decide what next steps, you know, if it's like a bad situation with an employee or some kind of thing, like what can I do? One of the things too, is that sometimes we don't allow that time to happen where we're able to learn the lesson from the test we just took, because yeah. sometimes it's like, oh, you need to know the lesson before you take the test. No, we get tested all day long. And if you don't take the time to just like sit still, you know, and understand what just happened so it doesn't happen again, you're not making yourself better. You're not developing. You're not using those situations to not just be in vain, but to like actually make you better or to, you know, develop you more. Um, and so I have a space in my home that I actually created. It's like my sit still space where I'll either read a book or I'll just drink my coffee quietly, or I'll just go sit sometimes and just like, don't allow anyone to bother me. And I've made that space specifically to allow me to step away when I know I need to. That to me is my self-care. Like just being alone. Sometimes think about when's the last time, like you're just alone. <laughs> like, the other thing that I do is because I know that's just for me and that's what I enjoy is every year around my birthday and it started a few years ago and it just evolved is I take a mommy staycation. I book a hotel for two to three days and I usually don't leave the hotel. And in Vegas, there's plenty of hotels here, right? So I go to the spa, I order room service, I binge watch TV, I'll sleep in, and I just spend three days by myself um, with a do not disturb sign on the door. And that's it. That's like my favorite time of the year. That's just what I do for myself. And it helps me get ready for 2022 coming up, right? Like 
I do some of my fall planning or I'll do some of my stuff where I'm just like, what am I doing? What do I want? Checking in with myself, making sure I'm still on the path I want to be on. There's many times where I've left and I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. Even though I thought I wanted to, I worked hard for that this year. And I'm like, "Ah, it's not what I want anymore now that I've taken the time to think about it. So that's kind of my self-care. I think it's a great topic. Mental health is so important. Physical health is so important. Emotional health is so important. And again, if we're at the top of our game, our business will be at the top of this game, of its game. The other thing I wanted to say real quick is you've got to make sure your team is doing self-care too. I force them to sometimes. Um, I'll get them massages at a spa. I will make them go to the gym and get them a membership. Like things like that where um, I want to make sure my team's taken care of and they're doing self-care because if they can't be at their best, then again, same thing, right? So think about it on that sense too. Like when you're thinking about your self-care, how can that trickle down to your team and making sure they're at their best as well? Absolutely. I could not agree more with specifically taking care of your team because it's one thing for them to hear you say the right things. It's another for you to demonstrate it for what you're doing with yourself. And it's like level three when you create space for them to do that themselves during work time, maybe even where you say, hey, you know what? What's your favorite coffee now this week? What do you want? I'm going to go grab you your coffee. And why don't you just take yeah. a walk around the building? For us, we're in a commercial condo setup. So for us, it's we take a lap. Like we do walks at the office. It's the silliest thing, but I love it. Uh, oh, that's great. We'll just drop in the team. Someone will say, walk? Question mark. And everyone's like, down, let's go. And we'll just take that's a lap. That's so awesome. I love that. That's so yeah, good. It's it, like it, so easy. And it's right there for you to be able to do that without too yeah. much effort, right? Like the one of the things too that I think is, that we really try to do is we call it the path to least resistance. Like Mm -hmm. when we talk about keeping things easy and having ease as one of our core values in our business is, you know, don't overcomplicate it. Like we said, but like make it the easiest for you to take execution, take action. Um, and and you've been reading atomic habits, haven't you? Oh, I, I read like 50 books a year. (laughs) I've read that a long time ago, but I reread books constantly. So yeah, definitely. Cool. Yeah. So we we always want to address the question of the freedom jump. It usually comes earlier in the episode, but we just got rolling on a few different things and we just kept going. So we're basically at the end of our time together for this particular episode. But I definitely want to ask you the question of the freedom jump. Um, you were with Big Red before, uh, which is... I mean, the biggest company in our industry, the most agents of any company in our industry. Uh, you were very successful there, it sounds like. Uh, what did the freedom jump uh, for you? What was it for our listeners that are trying to figure that out for themselves? How did you decide, okay, you know what? It's time. I'm going to do this. W- what was it about where you were at that point in life where, you know, four, four and a half, five years ago, whenever it was about that, yeah. uh, you said, okay. I'm making this freedom jump. I'm going to do my own independent thing. Uh, last question for our time together. Tell me about your freedom jump experience. So for me, it was really about like, okay, I've just spent the last five years building this thing. It's not mine. I can get fired at any moment. And there was kind of a scare of that situation, right? Which I won't get into because it's a long story. Sure. But then when they were like, nope, we're happy with you. We realized that, you know, everything's fine. I was like, whoa. I, I don't own this. This is not mine. And I've just put in my blood, sweat and tears for the last five years. Right. And so I also had already had issues in the sense of, I want to be able to do things that I want to do, especially 
evolve with the times, but I can't do. And so when all this kind of happened and went down, I spent eight months really just trying to figure out what it is I wanted, whether I was going to stay in insurance, whether I was going to do something else. At this time, I already started other businesses. I was like, maybe I'll just go focus on that stuff. Maybe I'll jump to another captive agency where I can open my book. You know, I looked at so many different options, but at the end of the day, I wanted freedom, like you said, and you kind of call it right. Um, And I walked away from a five and a half million dollar book, you know, tons of profit every single month. And it was definitely hard to do. It is not that easy. I don't want to make it sound like it's not scary. I don't want to make it sound like I didn't have nightmares of like, am I going to be able to do this again? Starting from scratch. We started from zero again. Um, And it was the best thing I've ever done. (laughs) Just to kind of keep it short and simple. Was there pain and heartache through it? Yes. Am I the type of person that's relentless? That's not going to give up? Yes. You can also be that way. Are we still learning things four years in? Absolutely. We're finding new carriers constantly. We're evolving all the time. But we also get to do that where you can't do that when you're captive. I will say, though, I have so much respect for State Farm in it in so many ways because it's what gave me the ability to get into this industry. Mm-hmm. It's you know where I learned so much, where I met so many incredible people, where I got a lot of my clients from, where, you know, I... I attribute a lot of the success I have in the independent world today to all the time that I had at State Farm. So I can't take that away from them, from myself, from that time. And um, I will also say in the beginning when it was hard for independent in the independent world, when, you know, honestly, we came out the door writing 100 to 200 a month and it was great. But there were still times where we were struggling and we were scared and we weren't sure how long it was going to last. And, you know, there were things trying to learn how to quote through 20 carriers in one shot, right? Um, where I did have moments, again, because I'm an 8-7, um, of, holy shit, I just left like $40,000 a month or $50,000 a month in money that just like, I was like, bye, see ya, you know? And, and I was like, did I make the right decision? So there was definitely times where I was questioning myself um, of if I should have walked away. And Within six to eight months, that went away. I stopped doing that. And I realized I was right where I was supposed to be. So if anybody makes that jump and has those kind of thoughts, questions, regrets, you know, whatever, it's normal. It's Mm -hmm. okay. Um, But just know that if you keep going, you're going to be in the best position possible for your business, for the longevity, for, you know, its value and everything that you're putting into it. So um, I obviously highly recommend it. I do think, though, that people that are in captive industry that aren't quite ready to make the jump, let's just say, should think of it as inevitable. That this is what the goal is eventually, is yeah. to leave the captive world and go do my thing. But use the captive world as much as you possibly can to learn, to evolve, to um, you know get as much as you can on their dollar, you know, or whatever you want to call it, and then know that kind of going independent should be the end game. And that's just my opinion. I don't know of anyone, and I know hundreds and hundreds of insurance people. I don't know of anyone who has been independent and went back to being captive. Um, but nobody. Yeah, it's a one-way street. The, or they the, leave the industry, right? The, like river, the river runs in one direction. The river doesn't run back up. You know, the, yeah, the... I just uh, I find it really interesting, um, you know, the people that are sitting on the precipice for a long time, looking over the edge, or or you know, like Wilson from the old TV show Home Improvement, just peeking over the yeah. fence, 
constantly peeking over the fence going, hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's for those of you that are sitting on the fence that have not yet made the captive jump. You know what I think about that. You should definitely uh, get over here on this side of things when the time is right. You said it yourself, and I will second it. The captive channel does a wonderful job of training, of development. Their marketing is generally on point. Uh, It's great. Uh, there's a lot better opportunities once you're ready um, for those of you that are still in the captive world that are listening here. So, um, Cassie, yeah, I really appreciate I was Go ahead. Say, if you were successful or you are successful in captive, you're going to be extremely successful in independent. Yeah. I think that's one of the scary things that people think of. And yeah. it's it's like you already have so many more tools and such an advantage compared to someone going independent right away that – You're going to, like both of us were able to completely replace the premium so quickly. Um, So there's kind of that short-term growing pain that you will have, but you can be aware of that, prepare for that, and then know that it's going to be even more successful and it'll be limitless at that point. And so, yeah. One of the things, and and I say there are very, very few absolutes in in anything in the business world, uh, in, in the insurance industry as well. I will say one of the absolutes in my personal, closely held opinion, if you are successful, and I'll just echo what Cassidy just said a second ago, if you're good at insurance as a captive agent, it is an absolute certainty that you will be better as an independent agent. More money, more profit, more freedom, more control of your own destiny. And I'm going to stop there because I could ride that soapbox for a while. Uh, Cassidy Arbelli, thank you for being with us. What's the name of your company? I don't remember. For uh, the insurance? For the insurance agency. It's called the Arbelli Group. The Arbelli Group. Okay. So where's what's the best place for someone to connect with you if they want to reach out, if you've inspired them in some way, they want to have a conversation with you themselves? Uh, where can they best find you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on Instagram quite a bit at Unburden Your Business, which is the name of the podcast. You can find my podcast as well on all streaming platforms. Unburden and, uh, Your Business. Hear that yep. real real quick, folks. Unburden Your Business. It's a podcast from uh, Cassidy, and she's been alluding to several things earlier in the episode. But if you're looking for the other podcast, Unburden Your Business. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you're fine. Honestly, just send me a DM or come hang out. I love having conversations with people about business all day long. So um, that's the best way to get a hold of me, honestly. Sweet. Well, this has been great. It's been refreshing to have a different flavor of this conversation. We got into some topics here that we haven't really touched on yet with this uh, podcast. So thank you for being along for that journey, Cassidy. And I'll just go ahead and end the episode by saying the same three requests we always have. If you're listening to AFP, go ahead and subscribe on your platform of choice. Please take 20 seconds and drop us a review. And most importantly, share the Agency Freedom Podcast with someone in your circle that is in the captive world that needs to hear this content. We are going to set people free from not being their full potential. Uh, And that's really it for this episode. Thanks, as always, for joining us. I am your host, James Jenkins, and this is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help our listeners go from captive to indie, to market domination. Make it a great day, boys and girls. We'll talk to you real soon. Thanks.